You know, it was awesome as we were driving in this morning and um, up where Madeline goes, just upstairs, Jeremy's got the kids uh, uh, memorizing uh, verses and just, you know, allowing the, the Word of God to, to just to, to change and to transform. And she just said, oh, can I, uh, can I cite you my memory verse, Dad? It's becoming, she's Hebrews 4, verses 12, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrates, cutting between uh, bone and marrow, judges the thoughts, the attitudes of the heart. I was like, <laughs> say that again? <laughs> That's how powerful this is. I want to encourage you to bring your word. I want to encourage you to, to, to bring it with you and to engage with it. Not just today, but just throughout your, you know, get, it, get into it every, every, every day. Uh, if you have it on one of these things, that's awesome too. Still the word, even though it's on digital. <laughs> All right, so I want to encourage you with that. So let's read it. It says, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Wow. Know that He is God. Know it intimately. Not just have a head knowledge of it, but know it in your heart. Be able to share about how much you know of Him because He's working in your life. Know that the Lord is God. He has made us. I haven't made myself. He chose me before I was even born. That continues to mess with my mind a little bit, that He actually saw me before the foundations of the earth. That's how much He cares for you and I. We are His people. What an identity to be tagged by the one and only, to have his mark put on you, to have a tattoo or something imprinted on you that says, you're my son. You're my son. I remember growing up, my dad said those words to me. He said, Greg, you're a simnel. You're my boy. You're my son. You know what that does for a young boy growing up and a man growing up to hear those words. Dads, speak life over your children. You are my daughter, my precious daughter. You are my precious son whom I love. We are his. Now, with this in mind, he says this, okay? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, knowing that this God of the universe is your father, knowing he will never leave you, forsake you. There's nothing that can separate you. Every obstacle you face, there is a way out with him. He calls us to be overcomers, so he gives us his spirit and his word for us to accomplish our task. Knowing that, he says this, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Woo! Isn't that awesome? When you come into the presence of God, whether it's here, whether it's in life group, whether it's in Ignite, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's down at the beach, whether it's hanging out under a tree, sipping on a beer and having some, I don't know, crackers and cheese. When you come into his presence, come into his presence with a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of praise. That's a spirit and a culture that lives within somebody. Thank you, Father, for what I am going through, good or bad. 
Thank you. I come in with a heart of praise. Listen to the message version. I love this. It says, and I don't normally go there, but I did this time. Enter with the password, thank you. Isn't that cool? How many people here have a computer? Skype, Facebook, you need a password in which to enter. How many people forget their password? I was getting annoyed while I was in Cambodia. I couldn't remember my password. (laughs) It says enter with the password, thank you. My laptop is cool. My fingerprint is my password. I probably shouldn't tell you that because you might try and chop my finger off and, you know. (laughs) It says this, make yourselves at home. You come around to our place, you can fully raid my fridge, raid our food, and make yourself at home. Put your feet up. If you're an England fan, quarter to seven tomorrow morning, come around to my place, you'll be right at home. And cheer the boys on. You can make yourself at home, talking praise, thank him, worship him, for God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. Wow. Now, with all that in mind, come into his courts. Come into this place. Tonight, next week, come into this place with a heart of readiness a hard prepared to connect, to engage, not wanting to be warmed up and then engage with five minutes to go and then leave. No, the Bible says you come into this place ready with this heart attitude. It's a culture within a person, which means that you're doing things throughout the week 24-7, building this culture within you of praise and thanksgiving. Even when life sucks, even when you go through the hardest of times, come in with a language that lifts a language of faith, not fear, a language of positiveness, not negativeness, a language that sees the good, not the bad. Is the glass half empty or is it half full? And I'll guarantee if you start innately, authentically, I'm not talking about putting it on. I've seen plenty of that inside Christianity. I've seen plenty of this hype, hype, whoop, whoop, awesome. I remember being at a life conference, and I got stuck in the middle of a whole lot of people. And I thought, oh, no. And everything was, wow. I mean, everything. The toilet paper's soft, wow. I got out of bed, wow. I thought, oh, no. And I'm stuck there around about 80 of them. Everything's wow. I felt like saying, guys, a bunch of Muppets. Wow! Did you hear what I said? It was this inauthentic, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an authentic voice from within, out of intimacy and relationship and knowing him that goes, Lord, thank you for the good. I'm going through a struggle right now. God, show me you in the struggle. That's what the struggle is for. God's looking to see, will you choose him or choose yourself? Will you come into a greater definition of reality of him in the struggle, or will you just actually repel people? Do you know, language of fear repels people. Faith attracts people. Have a think about that. If you're someone that struggles, and because maybe you speak a language, you might not even know it, and actually it's repelling people from you. 
But faith always attracts. Faith always lifts up. A spirit of thanksgiving and appreciation always lifts. It never pulls down. And the Bible teaches us that we're to come into the presence of God because of how great He is. See, it's not related to even what He's done for us. That's a bonus. If all Jesus did for me was get up on a cross, which is massive, and die, that would be enough. That is enough to last me 100 lifetimes. It's a bonus that I experience any other blessing from heaven. It's a byproduct of intimacy with the Father. Knowing that, come into and come boldly, it says. Come into the throne of grace with this heart appreciation of just, you know what? I'm going to choose your will over my feelings and I'm entering in. And you will see your situation start to change in time. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And I just want to state this because, you know, coming here on a Sunday is literally just a transition point. You haven't arrived when you come to a building or a service on a Sunday. So much of church's mindset is this is what it's about. It's not. This is literally like shell garage where you pull up for a certain period of time, someone will wax in unleaded petrol, you then fill up, check the oil, check the water, maybe buy some lollies and some mints, get in your car and go again on your journey. Like airports. Airports are a nightmare when everybody comes and all the planes are delayed, aren't they? How many people like airports like that? Anybody? No. Well, that's what church looks like half the time. Everyone thinks we need, we make the buildings bigger, get more people in the building. No, they're a transition point. You go to an airport to go to the airport to go to your destination. But you come back and you get filled up. It's a lifestyle. So wherever you go, you go with this attitude of thanksgiving and praise, and people see it, and you go, who are this turkey? Who are these people? What's this thing in you, Kirk? I love what I heard there about the Ignite, why people are doing Ignite. Let the fire burn from within me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My first thought today is we come ready. Next week, can I ask you to come ready? We should come every week ready. But you know, God has got to change, and He's doing some things here for our own benefit. Everything that's changing is for our own benefit. And can I ask you to come ready? Because the Bible says, come ready. Come prepared to engage. How many people play sport here? Mate, we need to get more people out and about. (laughs) Gee. I played a lot of football growing up. A lot of football. You know what? I never played a game without warming up. Never, ever did I just jump on the field without being ready, being prepared. I wasn't getting prepared while the game was going on. I'd prepared before the game. So we would arrive about an hour before the kickoff, get into the changing rooms, start getting your your quads and your hamstrings and all that rubbed down, starting to do stretches so you didn't ping a hamstring or a, a muscle while you're playing. We were prepared to enter the field of battle. And it's no different to being a follower of Christ. If you're not prepared, the enemy will have his way. Your own flesh will have its way. 
You see, what's higher in us will determine what the outcome. What, what, if your flesh is higher than the spirit, then your flesh will dominate the spirit. But if your spirit's higher than your flesh, your spirit will dominate the flesh. There's no such thing as a neutral follower of Christ. Neutral's actually going backwards because the culture will consume a natural follower of Christ. How many people realize the culture that lives within, which is the, the fleshly nature, and the culture without is a powerful culture? And if you are not actively following him on a pursuit of him, it says pursue love, pursue God, then the culture will be all-consuming. And we will get swept up in the culture of the world instead of getting swept up in the river of life. We are to be set apart from the culture of the world, and the world is to look and go, my goodness, these guys are incredible. And part of that is coming with a mindset and an attitude of, I'm coming to praise. I'm coming to thank you. Go to Cambodia. Go to any, world third, any third world country to have your eyes open to what this nation has. It is so blessed You and I are so blessed, blessed out of our socks, yet we whinge and moan about things. You want to go and see two people, or actually ten people, living in a shack that has a bit of wood and a bit of wood and a string and some sort of covering, and that's house. That's their home. And it's on the side of a road. Never whinge again. But there's this nature that wants more. Never satisfied, are we? I'm never satisfied. I want the next pair of shoes because I'm bored with the old ones. I want the ones with the strip on the side because the other ones, yeah, they were cool in the season, but now I want more. Nothing wrong with the old ones. They're just not hip and cool. You know, we are so blessed to have three, four, five meals a day, live in homes, God is looking for a spirit of thankfulness and appreciation out of his people. He can't expect it of the world, but he can expect it of us. And when we come into his presence, once again, wherever that is, because once again, this is just tra- all are just transition points to something greater. Come with a heart that says, thank you, Lord. I've come to give today, not receive. That's going to be my third point. Worship's about giving, not receiving. Receiving is the bonus or the byproduct of your giving. We are to come ready. Listen to this. There is a significant difference between entering and entering into. There is a significant difference between entering and entering into, where you step into what's happening. Can you hear what I'm saying? One is just being present. The other one is actively pursuing something but both people have entered. So my question is, do we enter into or do we just enter? And the top clock, clock ticks past. Well, that was really not bad. Or do we enter into and go, God, I'm here to engage. What's God saying to you right now? What does he want to say to you right now? The Holy Spirit has something for everyone, every time we come into his presence, which is 24-7. The Bible says even while you're asleep, he speaks. Isn't that awesome? While you're dreaming, God will speak to you because it's spirit to spirit, not flesh. Come in ready. We can enter, but are we entering 
into. Listen to Luke 3.15. Now, while the people were in a state of expectation, man, to be in a state of expectation, to be ready, to be prepared, wondering in their hearts, in awe, is this man, John the Baptist, is he Jesus? They're in the state of expectation. This guy, we've heard him speak. Is he Jesus? They're in awe. There's something building. So question, which attitude or heart position, motivation do we come into his gates or courts with? Is it one of being in neutral in the hope we get into gear? Or is it one of being in gear from the start? Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I used to read that the other way around, even though it clearly states in the Word. I'd read, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. But that's not what the Word says. Where your treasure is, what you love, what you value, what you hold dear to, there you will find a person's passion, will find their life, what they're spending their time and their energy and resource on. Back in 1994, I went back to England. And for those that don't know, I'm from Liverpool. And I emigrated here in 76. So I was eight years old, but still had the culture of Liverpool in me, crazy football fan. And um, went back in 94 and went to watch Liverpool play. And what an incredible experience. And, you know, as I'm later on, as I, I, as, and as I remember this, I said, you know what? So much of what I was engaged with really was worship. It was incredible. I thought, man, if the church looked like this, this would be incredible. So I had a love in my heart for Liverpool. I had a love in my heart for their players. Uh, You didn't have to motivate that. I didn't have to think about, oh, man, it's really hard getting up early in the morning I'd set the alarm, and Mark Thomas will tell you, we used to get up and watch football at three in the morning on a Monday morning. I'd drive from the city to Stokes Valley and back again, have an hour's sleep, and then go to work, because I love this thing. It was an idol. And I'm in Liverpool, and I go to the game, and there's 46,000 fans packed into Anfield, 16,500 down one end of the ground where I am, and we're standing, and it's like this. You can't move. In fact, it's so tight when the crowd does move because when the ball comes down this end, the people behind you can't see, so they push on you. And what happens is this. You move down like this. And then when the play goes back, you go back like this. And you don't even know it's happening. And you go sideways and you go this way. I started halfway, right in front of the goal, halfway up. By half time, I was at the back. And by full time, I was down the front. Don't ask me how I got there, but that was this one, mo- this one motion of one purpose, one spirit, one love, one power operating, one flow. Do you know what? The, I didn't know anyone there, but I did. I didn't know a single face, but I did. There was a connection, a brotherly connection of Liverpoolians following their football team 
And it's like you're hugging player, players. We, I would have made a chance. You're hugging pl- people, jumping around with people you don't know. You're singing songs that half the, the back are singing, then the front come in. You go, how is this orchestrated? No one's sitting there with a little thing. Like, do, 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 do. You sing this, Charlie. No, you sing this song, Charlie. No, we're going to sing this over there. All right. When the Reds go marching on. How does that happen? You know what? Because there's a spirit that is amongst all these people worshipping an idol, but there is power and life, but it's slightly not aligned to the right thing. But what if the church came in and loved their God like Liverpool people love their football? What would we look like? What would the world see and go, my goodness, they are fanatical, crazy followers of Jesus? Now, that's just normal Christianity, And it's scary to get swept up in that stuff. But you know what? You don't have to motivate. They came in and they leave waiting for the next time their team's going to play, waiting for the next time that they can encounter with their team. You think rugby's an idol here? Well, it is. But compared to English football, it's, it's nothing. I don't see Kiwis loving the All Blacks like I see Liverpoolians living Liverpool. Dying. I'm telling you, literally dying. It's ridiculous. But come into my presence because I'm the Lord. I created you. I made you. Everything you've got is from me. I love you. You're marked. And what I ask is you come into my presence with a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of praise. He understands when we don't. He understands all that. He accepts all that. But, you know, he loves you way too much to leave you there. He loves you way too much to leave you in, your sp- in that position. He says, come on, let me just show you a little bit more of me just to change your reality. Repent. Change the way you literally think because I've arrived. And there is a whole inheritance that I want to lead you into and reveal to you as you seek me with intimacy. Let me read you one, uh, Psalm 150. Just come with me to Psalms 150. This is phenomenal. Vera shared this at the Friday prayer meeting at 7 o'clock. And in fact, actually, what everyone was sharing at the 7 o'clock prayer meeting was just resounding with my message. It was quite incredible. It just sort of confirmed I knew I, knew I was on the right track. Psalm 150, 1-6, praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary. Just listen to how many times the word praise is used. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel, timbrel and dancing. There you go, it's biblical. That was a joke, okay. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Now, here you go. Praise him with loud cymbals. You're allowed to have drums in the community. Praise him with resounding cymbals, sorry. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. How many times does the Bible mention the word praise? And where is the praise directed to? Him. The way we get over ourselves is to focus on Him. John said, 
I'm going to turn my attention to him. He must increase, I decrease. It's the only way. It's the biblical way. If you want to get over yourself, if you want to move past all your stuff, put your eyes on him, start speaking a language of the kingdom, and watch you just start to elevate and lift towards him. The second point, the language of the kingdom is praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 34.1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at how many, what times? All, all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Not just when things are going well, but continually. I'm creating a culture. I'm creating an attitude, a mindset, a position, a posture. Seek first the kingdom, and I'll add all these things. I'm creating a glass house culture of the kingdom within my heart. And it's one of life, and it's one of living water, and it's one that refreshes others. It's a wellspring that others come to, to receive living water that goes out. The Spirit continues to top me up, so I'm living, meaning us, we're living from a place of overflow in the Spirit. And it goes one way. We're going from glory to glory. The church never gets to go backwards. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the church pushes back. It's offensive. The church is an offensive organism, body, living being, Christ in the flesh, as one community, amen? The Word of God will continually be in my mouth. What comes out of my mouth? You know, we came over here in 76, and you know what I heard a lot of? Wingen palms. Why don't you go back to England, you whinging pom? So I'm not whinging, mate. I'm loving it here. I'm getting beat up a number of times because I speak different, but I still love it here. But whinging palms, you know, English people. Oh, it doesn't have this, and it doesn't have that, and it doesn't have this over here. I said to him, why don't you go back? It was so great, wasn't it? And wherever you were living. That's why you came, isn't it? And they go back, and they whinge about this, and they whinge about that, and they whinge, so they go somewhere else. And it's never, ever, ever, ever good enough. There's always a deficit mentality. Always seeing the negative, never the positive. I'd say about, man, what about, you know what? I couldn't play football in England. You couldn't play till you were 11. I thought it was amazing coming to New Zealand and you could play at seven. It was fantastic. Look at the hillside. Look at the mountains. Look at the creation. The fact that you can go skiing within three hours into the water, the South Island. Isn't this an amazing place that we live in? Or is it like, oh, you know, flipping the government, they're going to sell the assets and they're going to do all this and they're going to do all that. No, mama. We have this nature that always wants more. We need to start realizing who he is and what he's given us and start praising and thanking him and then watching our environment and our situation shift and change. It's the language of faith, not fear. 
We're more about trying to protect ourselves and actually living a life of risk and faith and allowing God and walking in the tension of that to see His kingdom come in our lives and in others. But let's put all these barriers around ourselves, need legislation for this, rules for that, all this, all that, don't do this, don't do that, put that in place. Let's put all these laws in place, which Jesus said, I've come to fulfill. It's about carrying a spirit of thanksgiving and appreciation because a spirit of thanksgiving and appreciation always lifts. It never pulls down. My third and final thought is just we enter to give, not receive. So when we come into this place, we come to give. The Bible says our biblical, the biblical understanding of worship, it says this, in view of God's mercy, in view of who God is, in view of what He did on the cross, in view of Him dying for you, that you may spend eternity with Him and go beyond, in view of the inheritance which you have received, in view of that, in view of God's mercy. What does it say? Who can tell me? Because this is really important, because this will radically determine and change the way you come into these doors, if you understand this one point. In view of God's mercy, it says... Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So when we come in, we come in here into life group, one-on-one into my workplaces as a sacrifice. I come to give of myself and my best to Him. So if you ever say, you know what, the worship sucked this morning, what you're saying is, you suck. I'm sorry, but that's what you're saying. Your offering sucked. What you came to give and brought was a blemished lamb, not blaming Thomas because he hit an off note. By the way, he didn't today. But at least say he hit a, or he played the, oh, you know what? Oh, gee, it's just a bit, oh, I like it this style. Oh, I like it really quiet. Or I like it really loud. Oh, this is what worship, oh, man, I joined the rock because I love the worship. Awesome. You love giving your life away. That's what we're looking for here. People that sign up to laying their lives down for other people and living for the kingdom and, and not for themselves. That live in the spirit of love, not lust. Because the spirit of lust, all it means, when you see the word lust, it means selfish desire. Not, oh, I'm lusting over a bit of whatever on the internet. No, lust, selfish desire. So Jesus came and he operated from a spirit of love. And he says, if you want to operate from a spirit of love, you need to deny yourself. In view of, offer, of my mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You do not exist. That's true worship to me. I think that's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're defining what it's about. Thank you, you're defining my reality. Because I'm going nowhere if I'm trying to do it. I'm being limited in my understanding if I'm trying to define it by me. Yeah? See, God has the very best for us. So it's about aligning ourselves to Him. When we enter, we come to give, not receive. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. What have you done this week to bless His name? Now, here's the other thing. God blesses us for himself. He doesn't bless you for you. 
as a first place priority, he blesses you for him. Why? Because people see God in you when he blesses you. And they want him. Natalie's different. I'm going to bless Natalie. I see Natalie's heart. I'm going to drop something in. It's a byproduct for her. But it's really he blesses Natalie for himself. Because then people see and go, and Natalie then goes, don't look at me. Look that way. Let me lead you. Come follow me. And I'll journey with you to discover the one I've found. But what we do is we want to hang on. We even chase the blessing. Does God bless? Yes. But what's the heart motive behind? What's the attitude of heart? And he blesses for himself, firstly. Why we obey, why we do is more important than if. Our actions or deeds must be anchored in love Otherwise, they are rendered useless. If why we do what we do is not anchored in love, it's rendered useless. It'll be burnt up at the judgment seat. But I did X, Y, Z. I called you Lord. I did this. I did that. I did this. Who are you? I saw it all. Was it done from a place of thanksgiving, of love, of knowing me, being obedient to how I want it to be done? And so when we enter into his courts with thanksgiving, we enter in. I come ready. I come prepared to engage with you, Father. What do you want to show me today? I come prayed up. Father, I know you've got something for me. What is it? You see this, this, and this happening in my workplace, this in my family. I'm trusting you with all those things. God, I come in with this heart of thanksgiving. I come to speak this language to you and to my brothers and sisters. And I come to give, not receive. See, the first time, the very first time you'll find the word worship used is in Genesis. And the context to that word is Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac giving up his son. And it's a living sacrifice, isn't it? Isaac's living. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to thank you for today. Just, Thomas, you want to come up, mate? I want to thank you, Lord, that you're depositing truth to us. And, Lord, your word says that truth is there to straighten, align, edify, encourage. I think of Madeline's memory verse, your memory verse, Lord, and, wow, the word of God is living and active. Worship you in spirit and truth. True worship, as you say, worship in spirit and truth. And so I thank you, God, for what you are building here at the rock. I thank you that we're allowing ourselves to be defined by you, which at times hurts because of our flesh. But as we continue to allow that to to die on this journey, and allow the Spirit to reign, Lord, we come alive. We come alive. We move more into this place of perfection, this place that we're moving towards. 
of being molded and shaped to be like you, to become like you, to not only proclaim the word, but to allow it to shape us and mold us, to become the message and proclaim it. So Lord, today as we just stand and we offer up to you, we give you a heart of worship. We lay it down. We, we sing with what we have, no matter whether that is a mustard seed size, or whether it's a pea, the size of a potato, or whatever it is, we come into, we speak forth the language of praise and thanksgiving, and we give you our best, because you are worthy of our best. Thank you, Father. Let me just read Psalms 100 over us again, then we'll sing the song. Psalm 100. 3, 5. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So then, because of this, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. Now, God is a real person, and God wants authenticity, and He wants us to share our heart. When we're angry, talk to Him about that. When we go through stuff, talk to Him about that. So hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't be real. What I'm saying is be real with Him. But don't stay in that place of, you know, just, I don't know, that negative place. Say Say what you have to say. Then allow him to change you. Allow him to take you. And I remember when I remember when Danielle and I came back from Australia and we, we went there to get engaged and we came back. And I remember this I was in the shower and I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I actually swore at him. I didn't feel condemnation, I just felt love fill up the shower. It was almost like saying, Yep, sucks right now. But do you trust me? No matter whether you get back together again, do you trust me? And I had about a 10-minute blah! And it's not so much about the time, but then it's get out the shower and, okay, into you. Language of praise. I'm entering in. What's going on? Just show me. I trust you. Is that cool? So I hope you've been encouraged today. I hope... Maybe you'll take someone home with you and show them hospitality, get into the cafe, say hi. And, um, 